Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where we dive into conversations about psychedelics and healing. I'm your host, Christine. And I'm Leah. We invite you to listen with an open mind and heart and a little bit of curiosity while we break your brains along with some stigmas and make you laugh along the way. So let's get into it. Welcome back to see you on the other side. Um, we're going to do it again for just fuck's sake. I'm Leah and I'm Christine and we have another guest for you guys today. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, I'm Molly. Hi, Hi Molly. Molly. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm fangirling really big right now being in your studio. I've Shut listened up. to every single episode. Have you really? I have. Shut Except up. for the one that dropped today. I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, it's 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 good. It's, I haven't listened good. to it all the way yet either. Yeah. So. I'm very excited about the psychedelic church. I am. Oh my God. You know, religion's my jam. That <laughs> Seriously. Okay. So a little introduction here. Um, I... I know you through a friend, Misha. Yes. Who is also... So Misha is my mentor and my employer, but she's not my boss. <laughs> and I know she's <laughs> going to hear this, so she's not my boss. But she is um, the founder of Embody, which is a bodywork and massage studio that I work in. Okay. Yeah. I want to pick your brain a little bit about that. But then we, the first time I ever met you, we started talking because... Misha's like, oh my gosh, this is Leah. She has a podcast. And then you're like, I have a podcast. And I was like, what's yours about? And that's kind of what got the conversation going. Tell us the name of your podcast. So my podcast, I co-host it with my cousin's wife. It's called Cheers to Leaving. And it is an ex-evangelical podcast. So we deconstruct evangelical Christianity and talk a lot about um, our own religious trauma and bring on lots of guests who, um, we have guests who are like therapists and professionals in this realm of deconstruction and helping people on their deconstruction journeys. But then we also bring on people who are in the process of deconstructing themselves. So it's a really cool space to get a lot of healing and insight. So the psychedelic church, uh, it's interesting because I think, um, we touched a little bit on this, um, which part? Oh, I know there was so much we touched on. There was a lot <laughs> um, about how there is a lot of a lot of stuff in the Bible and a lot of religions actually that are that allude to the fact that they did psychedelics. Yeah, yeah. So that's something um, I am open to the idea of. I, I kind of I feel like Jesus was doing plant medicine when he was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. I've talked to a couple of my shaman about this and I'm like, listen, we've all done plant medicine. We know what it does. And mm-hmm. we know that a lot of spiritual leaders and thought leaders, philosophy leaders have gone into pl- times of solitude before they come out to the world as a leader in in their realm. And during those times of solitude, they're doing an extensive amount of meditation and like different kinds of enlightenment processes, which also include plant medicine. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jesus and his disciples were dabbling. Um, But then also if you take it back even further to like, you know, 
pre-Jesus times, BC, I guess, um, I'm pretty sure psychedelics and plant medicine have been a part of being a human for a very, very long time. Well, they say that that's how humans evolved yeah. is from plant medicine. That is how our brains evolved. That's how we came up with new ideas. And that's actually the state, the stoned ape theory, I mean, which is interesting. It makes sense. Well, like, how do you think they came up with like the concept of math? Yeah. Like math is, can I curse on this show? Math is weird. It's fucking weird. Yeah. It's fucking weird. And I, I don't know. I, indigenous cultures and communities have been doing plant medicine for ages, millenniums. Just now white people are getting into it. Like Marshallese people, thing. like, my um my family is visiting and my um my sister-in-law was just telling me that they use rituals when we were born of plant medicine and um before Kai came to the US they did a ritual with him and what? I don't even I need to learn more about it it's Shit. my own culture yeah. and that's like that New is the you. norm yeah wow and yeah and I didn't even know that yeah I think uh we're a little bit of um it feels weird to me sometimes because I do feel like we're we're posing a little bit. Yeah, we are posers. Totally. <laughs> like we're stealing all. I mean, I hate using that word. Like we're borrowing. Appropriating. Oh, I am sorry. I said this to you earlier. You were saying something about white people ruin everything. I was like, we I'm do. sorry. No, we absolutely do. We, we do. ruin everything good about everything. We do. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there. What type of plant medicine is indigenous to white people? Yeah, nothing. We're from the mountains of Caucasus. We were in caves. <laughs> what's, in, what's there to do in Caucasus? <laughs> we were drawing things on walls. <laughs> Shit. I mean, is there anything? No, there's really uh, not. I mean, I guess that's the thing. Like sometimes when I, I've, I've talked before about like wanting to do ayahuasca. I know there's a place here in Louisville or not here in Louisville, Kentucky. In Kentucky. And part of me is like, no, but like, I want to go to where it is. I want to go to where it's from. I don't want to do it. I don't want to half-ass it. And I'm sure that that's not what it is. And I'm not saying that that's what the places here are, but I just feel weird doing it here. I feel like a poser. You know, I think it comes down to intention. Yeah. What is your intention for doing ayahuasca and what's your intention going into an ayahuasca ceremony? And also like who's facilitating the ceremony? You kind of have to look into that too. If it's a white woman in a long white dress who's only sat with ayahuasca once and she's never even been to the Amazon jungle where they do it in Peru, then maybe don't do it with her. Like, like Nicole Kidman's character in yeah. Nine Perfect Strangers. <laughs> I still need they to rewatch that. They were doing mushrooms. They weren't doing ayahuasca. That's true. You haven't watched that? No, I need to rewatch it. I I think I watched the first episode, but I watched it pre-mushrooms. And oh. I was like, what the fuck is going on? I would say now it's the I best would... depiction of a mushroom trip that I've seen in film. I would now agree I with that. To, now yeah. I need to rewatch it, though. I was talking about it with a client earlier this week, and and she said uh, she didn't know they were doing psychedelics in that show. And I was like, did you finish it? She's like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, she was dosing everybody. <laughs> like, like she had no idea that that's what the show was about. I was like, that's I think you weren't paying attention. Fucking hilarious. <laughs> so, Okay. We got a little bit off track because that's what happens and we're having fun. Um, I want to ask you a personal question. 
go for it. You know, I'm an open book. Um, I never really thought about me leaving religion as like a deconstruction type thing. I don't know that, that I was that far ever into it to be, I questioned everything from a very, very, very young age. Um, so I think as soon as I was old enough, I was like, peace out, like I'm done. There wasn't really a lot of deconstructing going on because I didn't really. You weren't in it. I wasn't in it it, the way I think my mom would have wanted me to be. Um, but I want to know which came first for you. Um, the chicken or the egg. (laughs) (laughs) What is the answer to that? Did you dabble in psychedelics pre leaving or was it you left and then started dabbling in psychedelics? Well, I think I need to give you a little bit of my background. So yeah, and that's what I want to learn too. Cause yeah. Okay. So, um, my background in religion is very interesting. So I was indoctrinated from a very young age, from the time I was born, I was born into it. My parents were ministers and, um, they were in mission work. I remember listening to that on your podcast. Yes. You didn't stand a chance. No, I did not stand a chance. I mean, and we were, we were homeschooled and we were house church people. So my family life was also my church life and it was also my education. So I was heavily indoctrinated from day one until I was 18. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Mexico city, Mexico. Okay. Yeah. I spent like 11 years there. I was there from the age of of eight or nine until I was like almost 19 and then came back to the U S only in 2013. So it wasn't that long ago. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So my indoctrination was intense. Um, with that being said, I always did have questions that were not answered when it came to theology. (laughs) And I was like, okay, like this doesn't make sense. If this is true, then it would not make sense that this would be true. And I remember nights where I'd be like eight or nine years old, sitting on my parents' bed at like two in the morning, asking my dad existential questions and trying to understand how a person getting killed saved me. And how, what does it really mean to ask Jesus into your heart? Like, does he literally go inside your heart? Like, what is that all about? Like, like I was having these in deep, deep, intense questions and like, he was doing his very best to answer me. I mean, this is a guy who has his doctorate. Like he knows he's been to seminary. He's a pastor. He's a minister. He's a missionary. Like he should have the answers. Right. And yet his own kids are like, yo, this doesn't. Add up. Yeah. Math ain't mathin. The math ain't mathin. And so, um, I was very like questioning and not really like into it and kind of begrudgingly participating until I was about 13, 14. And then I went to my first youth group with like in the United States, we were on stateside for nine months and I got to participate in a youth group with other kids my age. I was like 14, 15 And I fell in love with the community aspect of like actually being around other American kids my age. Like I hadn't had that experience before. I was homeschooled. So it's like I didn't get to be around other kids my age. Well, and we all crave community. Like, yeah, we are humans that need community. Yeah. Yeah. And church gave me that sense of belonging at that point. My life was 14 years old. You know, puberty was hitting hard. I was going through this adolescence rebellion. Um, but wasn't allowed to express it because I was so heavily micromanaged in my home. Um, church gave me a lot of community. I started going into this spiritual emphasis camp every year after I went into ninth grade. And that was just like emotional brainwashing for a week on no sleep. 
with other American kids your age in a foreign country that you live in. And we were just like so on fire for Jesus. Like <laughs> we got home from camp and we were like, I want to get rebaptized. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got baptized twice. I know I got baptized twice. I got baptized when I was nine and got baptized again at 15 right after camp. You're like, now I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. I understand this now. You know, I know I didn't understand it. <laughs> Still didn't understand it. Well, and I remember going to church camp and like a specific moment, I think I was, I don't know, like in sixth or seventh grade and there was just a lot happening. And I remember just like sobbing. Yeah. Yeah. All the emotions, so much crying. Yeah. And thinking like it was like. Well, hey there, shroomies. We are so excited to have our first official sponsorship with Colors Gummies, a game changer in the world of mushroom-infused treats. So let's dive into what makes Colors Gummies so unique and why we love them so much. For sure. Unlike other brands who use ground-up shrooms, Colors uses nano-mushroom extract from organically grown mushrooms. Their exclusive extraction process ensures purity and potency, making them five times more robust than raw mushrooms alone. Plus, their gummies carry a full-spectrum blend of tryptamines for that one-of-a-kind experience. That is amazing. So what about dosing precision? Yeah, so Colors addresses this issue with their proprietary nano-extract. It's water-soluble, ensuring a one-to-one dissolution ratio in water. No more unpredictable experiences, just a consistent and reliable dose every time. Ah, I love that. Okay, now let's talk comfort because sometimes I get shroom tummy, but not with colors gummies. Oh my God, same. And there's a reason for that. I always thought it was just completely unavoidable when taking shrooms. But with colors, their extraction process isolates active compounds, leaving behind the indigestible compounds. They're gentle on the stomach, so no shroom tummy with colors. Convenience is crucial too. Colors gummies are heat resistant and perfect for on the go. There is nothing worse than finding your melted mushroom chocolates in the bottom of your bag. Holy shit, right? (laughs) Like good luck dosing that out. Colors gummies remain solid, heat resistant up to 180 degrees, but who the fuck is going in 180 degrees? (laughs) And if you are, you're not dosing mushrooms. (laughs) They're convenient for any adventure, so no mess, even distribution, reliable dosing, and a shareable experience. Okay, so now let's talk purity. Colors is committed to all natural and no synthetics. Yeah, so many brands use synthetic lab-derived compounds, but not colors. They're committed to clean products free of inorganic lab-derived compounds, and all of their products undergo third-party lab testing for potency and purity. So there is a whole range of products from colors, including microdoses, perfect for those starting their journey or seeking a lighter dose, the double strength pouch for a more robust experience, and my new personal favorite, the Amanita Muscaria gummies for relaxation and stress relief. Oh, I love them too. They are also vegan, gluten-free, and made with real fruit juices and purees. Colors gummies are artisan made and hand poured for a truly exceptional experience. Ready to embark on a journey or microdose with colors? Visit the Colors Gummies link in our bio and use our code OTHERSIDE15 for 15% off your purchase. And most importantly, be safe and dose responsibly. Hell yeah. The spirit. Yes. The Holy Ghost. Yes. Yes. And thinking like I was having like this 
moment with God and whatever. And I think it was just brainwashing and there was just so much going on and it was very overwhelming. Do you think it was maybe because everybody else was crying and showing a lot of emotion? And we're empaths. So we're going to be really empathetic towards everyone's emotions. It's a highly emotional space. You're sleep deprived for a week. You're around a bunch of people you love and you'll see them once a year. It's super exciting. And then um, they're playing like really like repetitive music. Worship. Yeah, the worship. But like they'll play the same chorus for 40 minutes. So it's like this almost trance that you kind of like end up in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone's crying and you feel so much shame and guilt yes, because of all these teachings they've been doing. So what's funny about that is I never had a relationship with my father and I started crying and a youth pastor started talking to me like, you need to speak to your father. You need to speak to your father. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then I got home. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm actually not though. Like, I, I don't know what came over me in that moment, but no, I don't feel good about it when I'm I'm home and like away from it all. I would say any decision you make at church camp, you should wait like a month after you get home to put that decision in action. <laughs> That's it. Put it on the shelf. Come back to it later. Come back to it when you're no longer on an emotional high. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good idea. I remember crashing after church camp. Like we would get home from spiritual yes. emphasis camp and we would be so, we would physically be sick because we were around like no sleep around a bunch of kids with really high emotion, right? You get home, you're totally sick. And then it was like, you get, you get better and you're like, yeah, I'm going to live this new way because like God is number one now. And I am on, I broke up with my boyfriends right after church camp. Cause I wanted to put God first. Like I made drastic decisions because of church camp. But what does that even mean, putting God first? I don't freaking know. I was pulling the God card. I don't know. I was about to graduate high school. I wanted to be single in college. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I remember all of these, like this, the youth groups and stuff. But like, I'm going to be honest. Do you? Was it you that I was talking about Club JC? We had like a youth group club. JC, club. Like club Jesus Christ. They like our our church had a downtown down like JC. They they rented out this building and they called it Club JC and there was like you know black lights everywhere and a stage and they had a little deli area where you could get food and coffee. Oh, and- see that's like high tech. We were like in oh. a shed like, but I was going building. in high. Oh, okay. Well. So I, that's what <laughs> like, I mean. I was what? never, oh yeah. I was never that, in, I was in it like because stoned. my mom was in it yeah. and I was never, I was the rebel child, you know? So that's why I say I was oh. never, I grew up in a religious you were around it, but not in it. I never in got it. in it like yeah. that. Oh, I was forced oh, to. Oh, I was. Like, I was in it, in it. Like, yeah. I was literally, I remember we had these, uh, we used to have these meetings before school. Um, like, we would go to the church at like 6 a.m. and we would pray for an hour and then like they would take us to school. That's and, horrendous. And I, at one of my friends, not anymore, but one of my high school friends, we would like literally just like crawl under the pews and just like giggle and laugh. And while everybody else is like praying in the pew, I mean, I was, I'm just listening. See, I'm I hearing this. I'm like, do that. I, I was such I an asshole. <laughs> like, I, I wish I could have been the rebellious kid. Cause like I was the pastor's kid. And yeah. the missionaries, I had so much pressure on me. I had there to was perfect. perfect. Yeah. Like I was micromanaged. Like everything I did, everyone I spoke to, everything was micromanaged by my parents. So like, I didn't, 
I didn't have an opportunity to be rebellious. So you're in high school. So I'm in high school, right? And I'm like deep in it, right? And I'm just trying really hard. I still have questions, but I'm like, you know, this is my life, right? It wasn't until um, after massage school. So I went to college, dropped out, went to massage school. Um, Halfway through massage school, um, my parents kicked me out because I was having sex with my boyfriend. <gasps> and this was the same How guy. Old were you? I was like 19. Oh, so, um, I was, it was, it was all consensual. We're adults, you know, we're, um, it started when I was in college cause I was living in a dorm. So I wasn't at my parents' house. So I was able to do whatever I wanted. And at that point too, I had started doing drugs. So it was like, I mean, drugs as in like weed, (laughs) smoking weed, (laughs) baby drugs, (laughs) baby drugs. And now the funny thing is my dad never got mad at me about smoking weed. He knew I did it. I would come home smelling like it. He did not say a thing. You want to know why? My dad was a pothead when he was younger. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. He's like, what can I say? What can I say? He's like, I've been smoking. I had been smoking weed from the age of nine until 17. I couldn't tell you no. Like, did you go to a Christian college? Uh, yeah. For a year. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that I was when it happened. Yeah. At the Christian college. Um, anyway, um, so I got kicked out and I feel like the trauma of being extradited from my parents' home and from the family essentially for a while. Um, it was a very massive conflict. Um, it took us to therapy. It was, it was intense. It was in a very intense time that st- I stopped going to church at that point. Mm. Um, I couldn't, I realized that I could not talk to anyone at church about what was happening in my home because of my parents' role in the church and the fact that church was supporting their mission. So like I- You had no safe space. I had no safe space. And I realized that the space I thought was my safe space wasn't because I was like working at this cafe where it was everyone, like the owner went to our church and then everyone who came to the cafe were like, church members. And I realized that like, I wasn't allowed to be me or speak on the problematic shit that had been happening in my family. I couldn't even tell people I was homeless. Like I was straight up homeless for a couple of months before I moved in with somebody. And so I was like sleeping on my boyfriend's couch and sleeping at my friend's house and like, like hopping homes for a while. And like, I couldn't talk to people about it. Cause they're like, Oh, how are you? I'm like, Great. Good. <laughs> Do you want a latte? <laughs> That's traumatic. So yeah. So I kind of just was like, yeah, this is super fucking hypocritical. Like my parents have this huge like facade about them, but they're not actually being transparent about some really intense shit that's happening in their home. Um, so yeah, that was like the cutoff point. Um, I started dabbling in psychedelics like a year later, and it was completely unintentional. It was like, I was pressured into it. It wasn't something I really wanted to do. Boyfriend was into it. He wanted me to try. He was a musician. So he was like in that lifestyle. Was it mushrooms? Um, no, the first one I did was acid. Ooh. Yeah. I had an acid trip on new year's Eve of 2017. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I feel like that's the one that scares everyone. The yeah, most. I've, done, I've actually done acid. That's a lie now, but I've had more big acid trips than I have had big um, psilocybin trips. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've tripped acid probably like six times. So how was your first experience? Amazing. It was like <laughs> being on a rocket ship. <laughs> um, it was incredible. I re- I had some really amazing guides. So 
um, me and my boyfriend were doing it together on New Year's Eve. And um, my roommate and her girlfriend had done acid a lot. And so they actually were really helpful, right? As I started feeling it, they were like, this is what you're going to feel. This is what to expect. Don't look at yourself in the mirror. Like they were really good about that. And they were like, just, you know, if you need to take a minute, like the best thing you can freaking do is lay down on the floor, like get, get your body still. Don't try to go out. And we were in like a really nice, safe environment. My apartment was beautiful. So it was like, Oh, so you weren't like out no, at a New like, Year's Eve party? No, I was like in my house. Okay. So we had like twinkle lights and stuff. Like it was really pretty. Aww. It was really lovely. And um, at one point I remember like laying in bed, still tr- like tripping balls. And I'm just like looking at my boyfriend and we had had some like distance between us. Like we were really struggling in our relationship and we're just like both looking at each other, which is like tears <laughs> falling down our eyes and just being like, you know, expressing such beautiful love and care for each other in that moment. And then I had this moment where I realized, and I think this is where like all my codependent, um, patterning kind of, I started to become aware of it was I looked at him and I said, I get it now. We're on separate rocket ships. (gasps) I'm like, we're both tripping, but we're not having the same trip. Wow. And I had this moment where I realized this is also in life that I'm like getting chills. I know me too. <laughs> I love hearing about people's experiences. Yeah, it was like, Oh, like we're having the same ex- shared experience, but we're not experiencing it the same way. And our perceptions of what's happening is completely different. And the way it's going to process in our bodies and in our brains is completely different and separate. So, and, and like, this is big because I grew up being homeschooled being in house church, being surrounded by my family unit at all times and like being very isolated and codependent on my family unit because that's how I survived. And so being an adult and being out in the world and not having those tight knit relationships or intertwined relationships like that, where the codependency is actually now unhealthy. um, I had no concept of, oh, the people around me in my life are also living separate lives. Wow. And think about how many first time experiences you had so much later than what me and you had just from us going to school and interacting with peers. And I had none of that. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Did you guys make it out of that experience together or did you come out of that experience and realize I mean, that's a weird question, but well, yeah, there's a reason for that. I don't know if he ever understood what I was trying to say by we're on separate rocket ships. Okay. I remember him kind of being a little resistant to me sharing what I learned on the trip and like trying to integrate what I was learning and talking to him about it. He was like, well, that's not what my experience was like for him, it was purely recreational for me. It was like something very deep and spiritual was opening in my body. Okay. Yeah. I like felt this opening happen and, um, I was never the same after that first trip. Um, it actually catapulted me into my first mental breakdown and, um, bipolar disorder runs in my family and psychedelics can kind of speed that process up. So your symptoms will start showing themselves quicker, um, that's good to know. Yeah. I'm glad you said that on here. Yeah. Please be careful if, if, um, schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, um, and any kind of like mood or like psychiatric type thing, mental health, you might want to be very gentle with how you approach psychedelics. So I get the reason I was asking that this is, um, 
my first time, my first acid experience, I remember my husband and I were like not in a good place. Like it was before he was sober. It was a very, very dark time. And I remember saying something to the girl I was getting it from. Like, what if I did this with with my husband? She's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that unless you're ready to split up if that's what needs to happen, because you're going to go into this space together and you're either going to come out of it very happy or you're going to come out of it being very okay with a divorce. Yeah. We broke up a year and a half later and we had been together for when we broke up six years, just about, we were like right about to hit our six year anniversary. So I, and we did a lot of psychedelics that year. We did acid a handful of times together. We did Molly and ecstasy, like a lot. We did a lot of Molly. Um, and we would do that therapeutically <laughs> to try to like work through our problems. Like yeah. a connection type yeah, thing. Yeah. And it just turned into me puking a lot and oh, holding shit. my hair and telling me how beautiful I was <laughs> and how we're going to work it out. And then, uh, oh, God. yeah, MDMA was, I don't know what they cut it with, but it always made me puke. And then you're like, and I kept doing it. <laughs> and I kept doing it. And he was always like, we're going through problems. We're not connecting. There's a disconnect. Let's do Molly. <laughs> And I'm like, I don't think that that's the solution, but I always feel closer to you when I do it. And I haven't felt close to you in a long time. So let's do it. And then we would do it. And then we would be great for like three days. And then we would go back to this point of complete disconnection. Oh, I feel that. Well, I mean, not like anymore, but like, I remember, I mean, that's just kind of like putting a bandaid on yeah. a wound. Yeah. It's not fixing the root of the problem because I can see how that would do that. Like it, it would bring this connection and this togetherness that you're sort of drifting away from. Like I can see how that happens, but yeah. Not when you're trying to force it. Mushrooms was the catalyst to our breakup. I would say. Now, why is that? So we did mushrooms after doing Molly a few times. Um, We did mushrooms and we took a huge dose. Like I, now that I, so I microdose regularly now. So what's a huge dose? Oh, I don't even know how much we freaking took. We made a tea and I drank the whole tea. And then I spent like two hours puking because I had eaten because we didn't know about dieta. We didn't know about the protocol that you you aren't supposed to eat. And we drank all of this tea and then like I had eaten pizza. And so I'm just like, I had an ego death. I straight up thought I was going to die. I I was naked, (laughs) laying on the kitchen floor, covered in my own piss and in my own vomit, throwing up into the bowl. My boyfriend was tripping on mushrooms and transferring the bowl from me to the bathroom back to me. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) My puke. And I laid on that floor and I was like, I think we need to call poison control. I'm dying. (laughs) And he was like, you're not dying. You are on mushrooms. You took too much and you ate a bunch of pizza. That's what's happening. If we call poison control, they're going to pump your stomach and you're still going to be tripping. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) And just an FYI to our listeners, you do not want to take mushrooms. Like you want to take mushrooms on an empty stomach. (laughs) You know how many people I've talked to since having this podcast who who have said like, it makes my stomach hurt. Like I get queasy. I'm drinking too much water, eating too much food. That's why I'm like, did you eat before? What did you eat? Were you light? Like, I mean, there's so many reasons that that can happen but right. now i know like yeah, right we do protocol matters for our life yeah <laughs> right right protocol does matter i mean it's like i mean how many people do you know who are like take medicine and drink when it says do not mix with alcohol so but this wasn't the first <laughs> time, time i broke but i'm not yeah yeah <laughs> 
I, I've broken dieta a few times, even with plant medicine ceremonies that are led by other people where they'll tell you what the diet is and I did not follow it and I paid for it. Ayahuasca is like very strict yes. protocol, right? Yes. No alcohol, caffeine, any substances. For um, like weeks, no sugar, right? No refined flowers. Oh, wow. Um, no meat. Um, or like animal products. And yeah, for like a couple of weeks leading up, you really are just like eating like a clean vegan. Have you done that? No. Okay. Not yet. So I want to circle back though, to your mental breakdown and kind of what, what led to that? So, um, like I said, bipolar disorder runs in my family. So it was a hypomanic episode, uh, like a hypomanic depressive episode that I experienced. Um, I don't really remember it. It was like two weeks of hell. Yeah. I don't wow. know. Two weeks. Yeah. I remember just kind of figuring I managed to go to work every day. Nobody knew what was going on with me. I still showed up. I'm like a very functional person with extreme mental illness, <laughs> I guess at the time. Yeah. And I, I showed up for work every day and I remember having one client, I'm a massage therapist by trade. So I had one client who was like, you seem different than you normally are. And I was like, well, I don't really know what's going on but my whole body like aches and it was like so sensitive to touch. And I was like, I'm like incredibly anxious. Like I feel so disconnected. I'm not sleeping, not really eating. Um, I like, I'm so depressed. I want to die. And she was like, yeah, that's like really serious. I hope you like, maybe you should see a therapist. She's like, I struggle with depression and it sounds like you're having a very intense depressive episode. And I'm like, I've been depressed before. That's not what this is. And she's like, this is like another level. I don't know what it is either, but you should go get help. And I never did. Like, I think I went to like, (laughs) I went and got counseling at this like Christian counseling center because that's all I knew. Like I wasn't in the church anymore, but like all I knew was like, oh, you go to like a Christian counseling place is cheaper than going somewhere else. And my insurance didn't cover counseling or therapy. So that's what I did. And of course they were not equipped to diagnose or help me. And so it was another three years until I received a proper diagnosis. Oh my goodness. And I went through like three or four more episodes like that. Well, a lot. The the year I got diagnosed, I went through like, I was rapid cycling. So it was like every two months I was having like a major mental breakdown. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting. You say like, oh, I've been depressed before. before. This is not it because I was like that too, where I'm like, I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed because we think depression is like, it's just like, it's fits in this one box. No, depression is so layered. It is so, 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 so layered. And it's not just a, okay, I can't get out of bed. So I'm depressed. It's so much deeper than that. Yeah. And hypomania is like really scary if you don't understand it. Um, Hypomania is different because hypomania can swing you and mania can swing you in a positive place or into a negative place. So I, my hypomania was swinging me into negative places. Now it swings me into positive places because I know how to deal with it. I like know what's <sighs> happening. I'm like, oh, I haven't slept in two days. I have a lot of energy. Let's clean the house. <laughs> you know what? You know where to channel yeah, it. Yeah, I know now. where to channel it. I'm, I'm not channeling it into like wanting to destroy and self-sabotage. Okay. Yeah. So do you regret doing psychedelics? Because no. Okay. No, I think it – I think if I hadn't done psychedelics – I would have had no frame of reference for when the healing process started. Ooh, 
which yeah. wasn't for many years. I think this is what people start to mistake. They, they look at me and they talk to me and they're like, you're very wise. You seem to have it down. Like I'm unmedicated bipolar. Like I'm not on anything, which, and I'm, you don't hear a very, I'm often. highly, highly functional and very like healthy. And I have backups. Like I know what I need to do if shit gets weird again, but honestly, shit hasn't gotten weird since I started microdosing. So that's incredible. Yeah. Love that. Super impressive. Like okay. the bipolar is still there, y'all. I didn't cure it, but like shit hasn't gotten weird in a long time. And I feel like you're managing it very well. And are you very microdosing well. mushrooms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was microdosing. I started this a year ago. Oh my God. It's my mushroom anniversary this month. And you're here. <laughs> I love that. Yes. So a year ago. That's I- not a coincidence. No, it's not. <laughs> I had a client who, um, she had been seeing me for a couple months. She was this wonderful soul who would come in. She didn't say much, but something powerful would always happen in our like sessions together. And like, I don't know what it was, but like our bodies would just like communicate in this (gasps) amazing way. And I could feel this amazing energy off of her. And she said like, she was very strict about her massage schedule with me. She always came in and she would tell me that it was spiritual for her when she was with me in my presence. And I was like, this is interesting. Well, around this time she revealed herself to me and said, I am a shaman. (gasps) And yeah. Chills again. (laughs) And she said, I I would really like you to come to this plant medicine ceremony. We're going to be doing cacao and hape and hape is a, um, hallucinogenic, like a psychedelic snuff, um, from the Amazon. I feel like I've seen this. Is that what they did in, at the beginning of how to change your mind? Is that what Michael Pollan did in the very, did they, very like, beginning? Blow it into his nose. Yes. 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 And then it. he started stomping and yeah. like shaking. Yes. And okay. yeah, this is what I'm is very it, curious it's about. Tobacco, right? Yeah. It's tobacco. It's okay. hallucinogenic yeah. tobacco that oh you snuff. Gosh. Yeah. Okay. Cause so, I've never heard it Anybody doing cacao or hoppe? Oh, I've done it all. <laughs> and I want to know. Okay, keep going. Keep going. Okay, I'm ready for this. So she reveals herself as a shaman, and I like break down. I'm like, this is crazy because you know, like the teacher reveals themselves when the student is ready. <laughs> I had that experience. <laughs> yeah. So I, apparently, I was ready, and I had shared with her that um, that week I had been going through some really intense stuff. My dog had gotten hit by a car. He was on a lot of. Aww. He was fine, um, but he was on a lot of pain meds. He's fine. He's <laughs> he was fine. fine. He needed three. Walk stitches. it off. I wasn't fine. He was fine. <laughs> Hurts you more. Yeah. There was a lot of um, heavy stuff happening at my job, in my life, um, with my house, with my dog. Like a lot of things were like when it rains, it pours that. And I would just like couldn't regulate my nervous system. I had no language for that yet, though, because this is before working with Misha. So like I didn't know about my nervous system or how Mm. to regulate or like why these kinds of life events would cause me to go into hypomanic episodes. Um, so I was like, very like, uh, agitated when we had this conversation and she said, she's like, well, I want you to come to this ceremony, but first, would you like, if I came to your house and blessed your house and did a private ceremony with you? Hell yeah. And I honestly, I had no idea what she would meant by ceremony. I was just like, yes, <laughs> come over. <laughs> I did not know what was going to happen. So she came to my house that night with her partner and, um, 
they are just like the most wonderful people. I love them so much. And they blessed my house and she blew tobacco in all the corners of the house and sealed the entrances and um, cleansed this space. And then we did hoppe on my living room floor with my oh, dog, my. totally like stoned out of his brains on pain meds. Oh, and I thought you meant on hoppe. No, he had the cone <laughs> of shame on and like his little paw was all wrapped up and he's like all stoned on pain meds. And then like, we're all like high on hoppe and she's singing and beating her drum. And like, it, it, it was beautiful. And, um, she, she gave me a couple things to do like spiritual baths. I was taking spiritual baths every night for seven days. It was a whole protocol and had a candle lit for a whole week to do some like soul tie cutting, um, cord cutting ceremonies. Like, yeah, she did some beautiful work at my home. And, uh, for the following two weeks, I was sweeping up dead flies. <gasps> Shut up. Yeah. Um, it's, it's some, something evil was like trying to take hold of, of the energy in that home. And she came in and cleared it. And for two weeks I was sweeping up dead flies, like That's piles of dead flies. Insane. I've never seen so many dead flies in my life. Holy shit. Yeah. And I was like, I'd never seen them alive. So I'm like, where, they come from? <laughs> <laughs> where are all these flies from? There would just like be piles of them in the oh kitchen. My God. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So what was that like? If you had to compare it to mushrooms and acid and Molly. Hoppe? And, yeah. Hoppe is, well, it depends on, I've also had an interesting hoppe. I've had ego trips, uh, ego deaths on hoppe as well. Cause you can take a bigger hit. So I took a very small hit that night and it was very gentle. It felt like. Um, you know, like when you're microdosing and you get to that peaking moment mm-hmm. where you're microdosing, where you feel it kind of intensely yeah. and then it goes away. That's kind of a couple hop- weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what happy feels like. Um, your body feels very calm and, uh, you're just very centered and grounded and present and, um, filled with just like this connecting feeling just like mushroom, very similar to mushrooms. Okay. Cause that's what I think people don't understand when, Obviously five grams, there's a moment when, before you're peaking or while you're peaking where you're not really like with it. Yeah. And then, but after that for hours, like you're in it, you're so present in the moment and you are not like, I remember somebody being like, oh my gosh, you were doing this and this and this. I'm like, I know what I was doing. I was there. Like, <laughs> I was very present. I was very aware of what I was doing and every, I could probably give you details of every moment that happened. Yeah. I wasn't like not in my right mind. If anything, right. I was more in my right mind, my right frame of mind than normally, if yeah. that makes any sense. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how Hoppe is? Like, you're yeah. just like, mm-hmm. you're so with it or? No, Hoppe is a little bit more debilitating for me. I can't drive on Hoppe. I can drive on mushrooms. So I think like it depends on the dose of mushrooms. Yeah, it, it, well, yeah, that it depends on the dose for sure. Um, hoppe though, even with that small little, like I was high, like I was like, oh, life is so beautiful. For how for many like, hours? Um, so it's a very quick trip. It's like twenty minutes. Oh, and then you're okay. yeah, and then you're really like DMT. Yeah, it's a twenty minute trip, and then you're like really relaxed and chill for like five hours afterwards. Sounds okay, fucking amazing. It's amazing. I highly recommend. Um. So we did that. And then she left me a baggie of psilocybin, the grandfather teacher, and then the golden teacher, which is lion's mane. So I had 
um, my protocol was she wanted me to take two psilocybin capsules and then two golden teacher capsules, which is the lion's made, which kind of like brings in focus. Um, so you can like go about your day. Okay. And it was a very small dose and I was uh, microdosing once every three days. So I would do one day on three days off. And I did that religiously for two months at the end of month two, something shifted. And I was suddenly like, I don't need this that much. And then I went down to like once a week. And then I went down to like once every two weeks. And then I went down to once a month. And now I do it maybe once every two to three months. It's like as needed now, right? Yeah. And it's like a super small dose. Like it's really not a lot. We've talked about that before, like um, where when you're on medication and it stops working, you have to up your dose and you have to take more. And this is very different. It's you actually like, mm-hmm. take less. You take less and yeah. you spread it out more. And then you get to a point where you notice yourself not needing it as much yeah. because it's kind of done the work. Yeah. The work is happening. And well, you can drop into the work without the medicine after a while. That's the medicine. is kind of just like a a, reminder if you're having a a hard time dropping into it, you know, but I also do a lot like with embody, we do a lot of dropping in (laughs) all day long. So I'm always kind of like in a meditative state. This is interesting because I do want to talk about embody and what you do, because I know you're not just a massage therapist. That is not <laughs> all it is. And Misha has tried to explain this to me and I, and I kind of get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah. But she said a term today that I really love, um, restorative body worker. And she said, how does that feel for you? And I was like, Ooh, I feel like I'm drinking a pina colada on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not Reiki either. It's- no, it's not. So, um, what we do at Embody is not dissimilar from like if you're ready for it, you can have a like a psychedelic experience on my table. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I've had them with Michelle, like on her table. So if you're ready, if you're in that headspace and you're ready to drop in and you're, you're practiced enough in the art of dropping into your body, you can have a very deep experience. Um, so what we do at Embody is, um, well, we're trauma informed because this kind of work likes to bring up a lot of stuff for people. So people will have a lot of like emotional release and sometimes they'll start telling you things or, um, their bodies will just like shut down. And, um, being trauma informed basically just means that we are very aware that trauma is present. And then we have ways of navigating when, uh, someone is presenting, um, at like a nervous system response towards whatever's showing up for them. So uh, what we do, we specialize in barefoot massage. So we use our feet um, more than our hands. And um, it's it's the way we show up in the space. I think that allows people to have that deep drop in with our bodies. Like we use some somatic cueing. Um, we have a very intentional intake with every client, even if they're a regular of what experience are you coming here for today? What kinds of things do you want to feel in your body today? What kinds of feelings feel good to you? Like, do you want to feel stretched? Do you want to feel pressure? Do you want to feel open? Do you want to feel like, what are you looking for? You want to feel pinpoint or do you will feel broad? Like what are things that would feel good on your body? And then really getting clear with them about what we're going to be doing that day. Um, 
having really clear communication and agreements before the session even starts allows the client to come to you and tell you what's going on in their body. And and then they get to consent to everything happening. Um, and it allows them to be at ease and, and then fully be at rest. Like when you feel safe and confident and secure. So, um, we talk about this on my podcast all the time, safety, security, and certainty. That's something religion gives you. And so when you leave religion, you don't have that anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, but people who have a lot of trauma and are coming uh, to have their bodies touched safety, security, and certainty are very important to allow that to happen. There is no rest if there is no safety. Wow. So is there a lot of crying that happened? Sometimes I had a client cry the other day. I, it was, um, I guess I can go into it a little bit of what happened. So maybe this will kind of give you an example of the kind of work we do that we're able to do. We don't directly do this, but we're able to provide this for people. Okay. So client comes in, um, is looking for specific work for migraines, TMJ, um, tenses her jaw, um, this client is a very high, strung type A person tells me that off the bat, I am high, strung. I am type A. Um, so immediately I knew this person needs every single piece of information before they get on the table so that they feel safe. So we talked for like 15 minutes to really get clear about what we were going to do that day. I get her on my table. I work with her face down first, just warming up her back. And then we flip to start working on the head, face and neck. I put my fingers on her temples and I just start to kind of pull this, this tissue away from the bone a little bit. And she starts to cry (gasps) and she says, you know, I don't even know why I'm telling you this, but I'm a really giving person. And my whole life is based around like helping other people and giving to other people. I never give to myself. I don't know how to let people give to my, to me. I don't know how to let people take care of me. And I don't know why this is making me cry, but even just coming here was really hard for me. Wow. And I was just like, I'm really happy that you came here and that, you know, if you need a tissue or need a second, let me know. She's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, okay, how does everything feel? And she's like, it feels so good. She's like, you are taking 20 pounds of pressure off of my head right now. Oh my God. Just having my two fingers on her temples. Like that's the kind of work, like that's how powerful touch can be. Um, she, there, there, there was something that like, she was ready to drop in. And she even said, she was like, I, I don't know how to give back to myself. I don't know how to receive And I was like, well, this work can be a really amazing practice in allowing somebody else to control the situation while you are still consenting to everything that's happening. And, um, but there's like a power differential, right? And Mm -hmm. so she's letting someone be in charge. She's letting someone manipulate and move her body, which is a very big deal. And, um, so you have to honor that. Yeah, it's a really big deal. You're doing some big things here by being here today. And that's something, um, I want to do it again because I only, I have been in there once. I saw Misha once. I feel like you need to see someone you're not like really close I to. I agree yeah. with that. And yeah. I was going to say that because she and I have become closer over the last couple of years, but this is why I think I should do it again because I did this two years ago before COVID, before I was open to any of this stuff, before yeah. I was, you know, I've had 
a couple of really great Reiki experiences since then where I had them before mushrooms and I wasn't open. I wasn't open to receiving. I wasn't open to hearing. I wasn't open to feeling and probably a lot like your client. Like I wasn't open to receiving Yeah, and it was great. It just to me, it was just a, it was like a really relaxing massage. Yeah. And it can be that for people. And we do provide that for people, but for those folks who are ready to drop in deeper into a deeper awareness and presence with their body, a deeper experience with their body to experience their body in a new way. I think that's what I want now. Experience their body <laughs> for the first time. Like, yeah. So many people are like completely out of touch with their bodies. They don't even know what their body feels like. Well, I was going to say, do you have people who just come in and they're like, I don't even know what I need all I of don't, the time. Yeah. yeah. All of the time. It would just be interesting to see because since then, um, I, I don't even think we got to talk about this and maybe I can talk about it in another episode, but I did a, a Kundalini appointment, like rising appointment and literally left my body like astral projected. Oh, cool. Did you see your body somewhere else? Like, could you like look down on it? So that's where I want to try it again. Um, I've left my for body my a few times. First time. I thought that that was pretty incredible because yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I had no idea what even happened. Like, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Did you like leave your body as a light being? I left and I don't know where I went and I don't know how long I was Do gone, you know? but I came back. But what were you? I wasn't anything. Were any Okay, so I've had that happen. I was light. Wow. Yeah, like I actually, like it, I was physically like a light being. Like light was shooting out of my head and my <sighs> fingers and my toes. Like this was on a microdose. I was in a deep meditative state on okay. a microdose. That's sun gazing. So I had interesting. I was trying to explain. Okay, now we have to talk about it. <laughs> I want to hear about I'm, it. I'm just like. Okay, so what's interesting. Okay, so we're going to have her on. She's she's scheduled to come on in a couple of weeks. I think next week, actually. Oh, Erica? Yeah, Erica. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I'll tell you about this. In the very beginning, I was before on my way there, I was listening to a podcast and there was a photo on the podcast. It was about psychedelics. And the photo was this like man standing in space with light shooting out of his head. Yeah, that's modern psychedelics. Have you listened to that podcast? No, but like, that's what I experienced. Well, that's, <laughs> that's interesting because I had never really paid attention to their artwork. I had never paid attention yeah. to Psychedelic their artwork is very specific. It's it was incredible because when we first started she was like imagine this light going from the base of your spine all the way through all your chakras and coming out your head like your crown chakra and I was like normally that would have been hard for me to to imagine but right. I was able to imagine it because I was like fuck yeah I just watched this or I was listening to this podcast and looked at their artwork and it was literally light beams coming out of this dude's head in the middle of space. So that's what I pictured, but with me. So I'm picturing that. And that was just at the very beginning. And then a little further into the experience, I'm, you know, I'm face down. I've got my head above or my hands above my head and I'm like kind of cradled, you know, um, I start seeing flashes of light so intense that I think she's like shining a flashlight in my eyes. Did I tell you any of this? No, I've never heard this story. Oh my God. This is interesting. So she's like, I, that's what I thought she was doing. I, cause she also works with like this orosoma light therapy. Like it's a little tiny, little tiny little light. Um, so 
it looks like she's shining this flashlight intensely in my face and flashing it back and forth. And so I open my eyes and she's not there and the room is dark. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I close my eyes again and it starts happening again. And I'm like, what is happening? Because it was so intense. It wasn't just seeing auras. It wasn't just seeing colors. It was just like these crazy intense lightning flashes. And you weren't on plant medicine. No plant medicine. Meditation induced? No. There were frequencies playing, but I listen to frequencies um, to sleep sometimes, or if I have a migraine, I'll listen to frequencies. It's like magic. It's it's fucking magic. (laughs) So, um, and then the next, and then I kind of like went away. Interesting. And when I came back, I didn't know I went away, but when I came back, I had been, I was sobbing. Um, there was more to it than that. Like, this is just the beginning part of it. So, um, and I'm like, that's really weird because normally I can feel myself building up to a cry and then, you know, feel a teardrop. And then, you know, I would know if I was sobbing. Right. Right. But I was so not there and I wasn't asleep. My husband's such a skeptic when it comes he's like, you probably fell asleep. I was like, I didn't fall asleep. dude. I left my body. Yeah. He's like, where did you go? And I was like, I don't fucking know, but I'm going to find out <laughs> because I'm going to do it again. A, I'm going to practice <laughs> what happens because I want to control where I went because I know that that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I came back and was in the middle of sobbing and it was like, I don't know where I went. I don't know how, how long I was gone. Like that was fucking crazy. And then in front of me, I see this boy. I think it's really fucking weird. <laughs> I see this boy and he's like, he, he, I don't know who he was and I couldn't really make out his face or anything, but he's got this, like, it almost looks like a piece of flat cardboard and he's like shaking it up and down. Like he's shaking a rug, trying to get my attention and it's flashing. It almost looks like it's covered in foil and it's like attracting this light and he's like waving it up and down. So I look at it. I'm like, okay, okay. I see it. What are you trying to show me? And he keeps doing it. And I'm like, okay, what are you, what are you freaking trying to show me? Cause I, it looked like he was trying to show me something, but I couldn't tell what it, what it was. Fast forward. I start having all of these like crazy visions. They were more like, they were memories of me and my dad. I might get emotional. Where are the tissues? Uh, it's okay. Get him. And I, I got a little scared of what it was showing me. It wasn't anything dark, but there was just a lot of like, it was almost like watching a movie and you're seeing all these crazy flashbacks of my dad and I, and I don't have a close relationship with my dad. I haven't talked to him in like almost 10 years. So it was just a little weird for me because I have these very vivid memories um, when I was a kid and I, these were actual memories. <laughs> so Holy shit. Um, I don't know what came of those memories. It just kind of went away. Um, Afterwards, you know, she sits me down and we're kind of going over everything. She was telling me what she felt, what she saw. She said she saw a spirit with me and he was a little boy. And I was like, shut the fuck up. That is wild. (laughs) I want to work with her. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm like, I don't know who that was. Who was it? And she's like, I don't know. It could have been, you know, it just may have been a guide. It could have been a spirit, but he was showing you a light. And I was like, that's what he was showing me. Like, I thought he was using a light to direct me. So that's what the light was, was him. That was, he was showing me this light. Um, and then I told her about the visions with my dad. Um, and I also told her 
I felt like I left and she was kind of, I think she was a little bit shocked by that. Cause she was like, most people don't do that in their first session. <laughs> so you were really astro traveling. Yeah. yeah so what I want to do this, uh, we can talk about it when she comes on, but I just signed up for a Kundalini rising appointment. Cause I'm like, I want to know what this is. I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. Never heard of it, but I'm curious. Yeah. Um, you can do like a six week session type thing where every session it's like, deeper and deeper and deeper. Right. And so I told her, I was like, I need to, I need to sit on this for a minute, Yeah, but I'm going to, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to do this. And I think that if I do it again and I do the six weeks of it, I, I don't know why I feel like I can do this, but I'm like, there was something that it was trying to show me with my dad. Yeah. I need to figure out what that was. I want to go there. And I don't know if there is like a way, I don't know much about astral projection, but I know that some people can control it and they can control where they're going and when they're going so they can go different times. Yeah. This is all blowing my mind right now. Yeah. Sorry. I never told you that. I I know. How did you not? Because I was trying to save it. True. Okay. Okay. I get it. So yeah, interesting because now, and I told her, I was like, I feel like I'm a baby in this spiritual space. And after the session, she was like, you are absolutely not a baby in this. You are like, I said, I feel like every time I do something like this, I'm coming home. Yeah. You're probably were a, um, you probably were something quite powerful in another life and you're kind of remembering that. So powerful. Yeah. Something. Her voice. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. There was something bit, like you, you were like a spiritual something. I don't know if mm-hmm. it was a leader or a teacher. I need to know or, what it was. Or a healer of some sort. You were something in a past life. Go get a past life reading. Uh, I was just talking about that with a friend Friday. Yeah. Do it on the show. <gasps> Can I? I mean, I mean, no, no, no. I know I could, could. we could, but like, how do we find someone? Cause we were like, do we Google someone? I don't know if I would trust Google with that. I think I need to know. I know people who do past life. You do. do. Yeah. They're here in Louisville. All right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make that happen. You are. Oh, I've been so curious about it. It's my, my best friend, Sarah, we've talked, we've been talking about this for like two years now. We're like, we need to do a past life regression because we feel like we were connected somehow and we can't figure out how. That's interesting. That's very interesting. You've never done one. No. How do, why does that scare? It's that um, scares you, but not, but not all like the shit all ayahuasca. Yeah. <laughs> Puking wow. for two hours Man. pizza. Well, yeah. And then I did hoppe again and did a bigger dose and had another ego death because I didn't follow protocol. So I was puking in a, in a circle, like a, a ceremony circle. <laughs> with other people. Oh, I was puking my guts out. And then I went to the bathroom cause you know, it was coming out the other end too. And, uh, at one point, one of the, uh, spiritual leaders who was facilitating the group, like knocked on the door and she was like, Molly, you need to come back to your mat. And I'm like, I can't. And she's <laughs> like, I'm going to help you. Okay. We're going to do it together. I'm like, okay. I actually had to get a drive, like a ride home that night. I couldn't drive like my legs. Like I was just like a shaking mess. Like I had, we, (laughs) this ceremony was so intense. We did, um, an inner child meditation with breath work at the beginning. And then we did hoppe and then we did cacao. Sounds fucking And intense. after the cacao is when I started puking. Um, but the the inner child's meditation with the breath work was also a breakthrough moment for me. And like I was on my mat, like 
sobbing like so loudly and just like seeing visions of me when I was like seven years old and like seeing like very distinct moments, like memories. And like, it was wild. I've, I've never been led into something like that before. So that was crazy. Cool. Would you do it again? Yeah. Can we go with you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Next time she, <laughs> do had, you want to go? She, <laughs> hasn't, yeah, I she do. hasn't held a group ceremony in a long time. Ooh. But we could actually, I could just ask her to do one. Like a smaller one? Yeah. We could do it at Embody. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, we all want to do it there. So let me ask you this. <laughs> what is your dynamic like now with your parents? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're good. Um, <laughs> so they know about We tight. <laughs> yeah, we tight. Uh, we've been to therapy together. Um, my parents have gone through their own versions of awakening and deconstructing. Wow. Um, I'm very open. I- I'm the kind of person that if I am not speaking my truth, I get physically sick. Like I will have migraines. I will be incredibly depressed. My hip will flare up. It'll be in tons of excruciating back pain. Um, so I am like truth first, (laughs) truth forward. (laughs) So on Christmas Eve, I microdosed because being around a lot of family is stressful and I wanted to be in a good headspace. So I'm like, we doing this with, with granddaddy shrooms and, (laughs) uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to do it. And I told my mom, I was like, I'm microdosing today, just so you know. Like, and she was like, I wondered why you were so smiley. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, I would love when our phones aren't being used. Um, I want to finish your human design because that's interesting that you said that because one of the things that my human design said about me is that if I am not using my voice and speaking my truth, that's when I'm my most not self. And it said the same thing, like migraines and body aches and depression and anxiety. And I'm like, that's crazy because that's what I struggled with for so long and Till I found my voice. So, uh, what part of the human design would that be? It was where it was talking about your not self, like what you feel when you're your not self. Mine was like, um, I can't remember if it was, it was frustration. I feel frustrated. Yours is anger. Anger. Okay. Yours is is anger. Mine is, your not self is frustration. That's me. Okay. So, um, if you're not living your design, saying yes to things that light you up and no to the things that don't, you create a steady flow of excitement in your life, which then magnetizes people, blah, blah, blah. Oh, uh, where is it? Um, attempting or reaching for something, but it's not happening. And then that will create a feeling of being stuck. Um, I'm a generator, so I don't know. I know you guys aren't generators. Um, me and Misha have the same personality type, which I thought was hilarious. We've we're talked two, about that. We're both two fours. Lee and I are both three fives. Yeah. And no, that's why it's wild. Cause like me and her like work so well together in like this beautiful, like collaboration, but also mentorship. And, um, you both are like working so beautifully together, but like, I, it is wild. We both, we listened to the episode and we're like, what's our human design? <laughs> I did this for a client last week and it was the same thing. Like, I'm like, I've always felt drawn to her. I love our connection together. And I'm like, when I'm not doing this, I'm going to be really sad about the people that I'm really connected to about not having that connection once a month, you know, it's going to be weird. And yeah, I read hers and I was like, shut the fuck up. You're a three, five. Yeah. That's that's what it is. Those are the people that I'm drawn to the most and get along with. 
Yeah. But, but I think as far as like what you were leading to, like with frustration or getting physically sick, I think yeah. for me, it's just like, I get insanely depressed. Um, and then like the, the, the relationship isn't flowing. So like with my parents, they had to go through their own healing process and deconstruction process as well. And, um, so that they could understand me. I was going to ask where they were at. Okay. So in their journey with the church, it took a freaking long time. So they are still involved in their church. They are still involved in ministry, not as much as they used to be, but they are still involved. Um, my dad actually, there, there were like Southern Baptist missionaries when I was a kid. Now my dad is a Franciscan Catholic. Wow. That's a huge change. Yeah. Well, he grew up Catholic. And so he went back to the Catholic church and, um, went and became, a, I think he's like a Franciscan chaplain or something huh. like that. Him and my older sister, she went and did it too. And so she is also a Franciscan which I, I find it really interesting that they both kind of like left the Southern Baptist and then like went and pursued Catholicism, which I, I think it has something to do with the mysticism in it. And like this, like deep respect for like mysticism, spirituality, deities, like the Catholic yes. church still holds a lot of that sacred. Whereas like evangelical Christianity throws that away. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I, there's also a deep reverence for um, like women, like Mary, Yes, she's like kind of nowadays like a puppet, but like if you really dive into um, Catholic theology, like Mary Magdalene and like the Marys and like that focus on the women, the women followers of Jesus and like what that meant. Like, so I think there's like this very deep pull towards the um, the mysticism and deities and what were you saints or what was your family? Um, I grew up Catholic. Catholic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. We were like, um, my mom's dad used to be a pastor, but they like handled snakes and wore skirts and didn't wear makeup and didn't cut their hair. Like very, very, Interesting. very. It's almost like borderline like Mormon or Mennonite or something. Uh, I can't, I feel like it was called like holiness, Pentecostal, yeah, Pentecostal, Pentecostal holiness. And I didn't grow up that way, but like, that's how my mom still kind of is. Yeah, it's very fundamental. Yeah, mm-hmm. very fundamentalist. Yeah. So, I guess I would call myself now like um, I don't know. I don't want to say atheist. I'm. I've always said agnostic, and I don't know what I would call myself now because now I've kind of dive dove into this like spiritual side of things. I'm like, yeah. oh wait, I do have a belief. It's just not what I was taught to believe. Yeah. What are What are you? What are you? <laughs> what am I? What are you? <laughs> um, I don't identify as Christian anymore or okay. um, religious necessarily. I do hold a deep respect for like religion and what it gives to a culture and a community. And um, just like the stories and the mysticism, like it's very fascinating. I'd say I'm like very spiritual. Um, yeah. But I'm also like very into like consciousness and um I don't know. Like I've been dabbling with this idea that like souls like reincarnate and travel. So mm. I've been like, when you were talking about like astro traveling and past lives, I'm like, yeah, I'm like eating this. Up because <laughs> <laughs> this is my current Next episode. <laughs> my current hyperfixation <laughs> is, um, soul journeys. And like, maybe, maybe when we die, it's because our soul finished its contract and now it's going to go back and sign a new contract and go have a new kind of human experience. Because if the universe is consciousness trying to understand itself, then that's what souls 
have to do. They have to go experience different things to understand itself better. So I wonder if maybe that's why we're here, you know, like we're just a soul that's trying to get a better understanding for what does it mean to be alive? I have a theory. What? I've only ever said this to Jason. Hi, and maybe a cousin. Are you sober now? I'm totally sober. Okay. You're totally sober and you're telling your gals. Let's go. I'm going to, this is going to make me sound fucking insane, but even Jason thinks everything I say is crazy. But like this one, he was just like, you might be onto something. Cause we were like, you know, anyway. So what if, all right. I feel like I've found my soul's purpose. Okay. What's that? I, and, and well, I mean, it's, there's more to it than that, but I feel like I have found the purpose of life. I have found, you know, kind of like in Westworld, like I found the maze, I found the game. I'm playing the game. Like heaven isn't to me a destination. It is, um, a way of life. Mm-hmm. It is peace in your mind. I've, I've said You've this part out loud. This, no, no, no. Yeah. This is very okay. different though. I'm, okay. I'm going somewhere different. That's right. like the preface. I feel um, like most philosophers have said this too. Which is weird because I remember I was reading the four agreements and it yeah. talks a lot about that. And I was like, holy shit, I've been saying this for years. I was going to say like the Toltec is like based in that philosophy. Yeah. Like heaven is a, is a state of mind, a state of being. Um, but what if, if you don't fulfill your contract, if you sign up for this life to learn a lesson and, and you don't learn this lesson, you come back in another life and you have to try again. Like I've seen these memes that are like, all right, try like take 275. This time you're going to get it right. You're going to mm-hmm. learn your lessons. You're going to get it right. Right. I feel like this life I've finally figured it out. Okay. And that, that sounds crazy. This is the crazier part. What if the earth is dying? Because whenever you figure out the lesson, you don't come back. You go back into the earth as one consciousness. I'm oh, cry that. Are you serious? You guys don't think I'm crazy? No, not at all. Are you serious? I think it's beautiful. Because and okay, I, I'm think about it. Like we are having to relive life and learn these lessons. And you're you're you die, you come back. You die, you come back. You die, you come back. Where do you go when you learn the lesson? You're not going to, I don't want to come back to this hell. Like right. this is hell yeah. <laughs> on earth. Like, well, so we to are, ascend, the earth is dying. It is yeah. right. So what if that's because there's not enough of us going back into the earth? Our souls are stuck. We're not putting ourselves back into the earth to heal. Like we're all one consciousness. I mean, have you ever heard that theory? Like, have you seen Stranger Things? <laughs> yes. Yeah, hive mind. Like we are in Fantastic Fungi on Netflix. That yeah, the mycelium yeah, and like we are, we are a hive mind. We yes. are one consciousness. Yes, that, I mean it makes sense. But it also like then my my exploration of soul's journeys. And soul contracts also make sense because it would play into that as well. Yeah. That's what, um, like, watch me find a book in a couple of months and then say this. I'll be like, fuck, it wasn't my high idea. Yeah. Somebody else had it. Well, I think a lot of people have had the same idea. <laughs> There's a lot of people doing this kind of work. <laughs> yeah. You're, I mean, it just kind of makes you think on a deeper level if I'm yeah. going to be completely I mean, honest. I, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I don't know if mushrooms does this and it makes you feel like you figured it out. <laughs> But I feel, I feel like I've found, okay, so I don't want to sound arrogant when I say this, um, but sometimes it's really hard to relate to people (laughs) 
Interesting. And, uh, and before I, you came here, I this is what we were talking about. Had a very in depth conversation with just I've only done one large mushroom trip, and just all of these realizations, and I'm learning things about myself, and I'm like grieving. Yeah, it's friendship. Big. It's yeah, I'm it's going big. through a little bit of a hard time right now with all that. Me too. It's big. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's We're heavy. going through this. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't, but it's like I'm on the right path. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Don't stop. Don't stop. It's going to it get is. better. It's, it's, yeah. it's almost like ign- ignorance is bliss, but it wasn't blissful. No, it's hell. But it's, yes, but it's almost like after you do mushrooms, you can't go back, but you're grieving. It's like trying to put toothpaste back into a toothpaste tube. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like what we've said, and I'm not saying this in an arrogant way, but you feel up here. Yeah. And you're like, I'm not going to go down here for you, but I love you. I right. love you so much. And I wish you'd come up here because the view is amazing. Well, but I, I was cracking up because I was at a party the other night. I don't go to parties because like for me, parties are very low vibration and like they don't, I always, I'm like, no, but my friends like tricked me and it was actually a great party. It was super fun. (laughs) They were like, yeah, just come over. It will just be like you and like maybe like two other people. There was like 15 other people. Oh my God. Maybe 20 other people. fucking pissed. Oh, you know what? I was, I was on mushrooms that day and I was like, all right, whatever. But um, at some point I was having a conversation with someone and they asked for some insight. And I just kind of gave them some insight on what they were saying. And they were like, you are so wise. And I'm like, I am on mushrooms. This is <laughs> what happens when you do mushrooms. It is. <laughs> I just, I feel like it opens up something in you that was there all along. It's a higher consciousness. It really is. Yeah. So I know what you're saying. You're like, I don't want to sound arrogant by saying yeah. this, but it's hard to relate to people. And I do feel like I am doing something massive in the world right now. I mean, my podcast is making tremendous waves in the deconstruction community and helping so many people heal and process. Like that's huge. Like after every episode, I'm just like floored that people even listen to it. And like, we have a Facebook group now and I'm just like, oh my God, like my listeners are on this Facebook group talking to each other. I want to be on this Facebook group. Oh my God. I'll add you. You have to get Facebook back. I did. You did. No one knows though. Oh, well, just oh be now they it. do. Just, <laughs> just be on it for the choose to leaving Facebook group. <laughs> I want to be. I'll, it's the I'll best join place. It. Okay. It's well, a I, place. I deactivated Facebook because I'm like, this ain't the vibe. This is it's not so passing low, the vibe. It is low vibe at all. Low and vibe. So I quietly reactivated it, but no one has figured it out yet. It's all right. I found out. So so I I'm can't settle the bug with what yeah. you're saying. Like. They yeah. Just- so it's, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to, like, even like the work I do, I embody the body work I'm doing, like the experiences I'm guiding people into. Like, I'm like, this shit is so much bigger than me. Like, and this is, I mean, I'm 27. So I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Most 27 year olds are not doing this kind of stuff. No, like they're yeah. not on these healing journeys. They're not talking about this kind of stuff. They're not like, they're not thinking about these things. And maybe no. some of them are, but, but I, I feel like there is a, um, I, I feel like I've been catapulted into a process. I did not expect I was going to be catapulted in. Um, thank you. 
mushrooms. <laughs> like, yes. It really pushed it forward so much faster. And like, thank you to all of my mentors and my like Endora who like has walked beside me every step of the way. And, um, you know, mission now who's mentoring me to be a better therapist and take my clients deeper and take myself deeper into my own process of realization and consciousness, you know, like my mentors have, pushed me to my limits and past those limits and like pushed me to the edge and been like, you can't jump off and fly. You're just scared. <laughs> and so like, I do feel, I, I agree with you, Leah. Like, I feel like I've figured it out in a sense. Like I don't have it all figured out, but no. I feel like I'm on the way Yeah, and I'm like, okay, that's like, is so easy. you're like, I'm going to get it this time. Well, And it's like when people start coming to me and talking to me about their problems, I, I don't want to be a dick and be like, yeah, so this is all in your head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like this is, you're creating this reality for yourself. Like you are perpetrating your own suffering. Like I can't tell them that because they have to, like, and this is the true, a true spiritual teacher will never give you the answer. They will just gently push you in the direction for you to seek the answer out yourself. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. Because no one's going to want to hear that, oh, this is all in your head. Like, well, and who's going to be receptive to that? Right. Because they're going to be like, thanks, bitch. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Like you're, you're making thanks for the advice. Su- yeah. Your own suffering's worse because of you suck. Have you ever maybe thought that you are the problem? <laughs> like you can't really say that. To- no, I mean, you, you can, you, but you can't. Uh, if you want friends, you can't. That's, I'm, yeah, that's the hard lesson. Oh, that's, is. that's the problem. That's I'm kind of losing problem. those. I'm kind of losing well, those right now. Do you feel like you're losing friendships because you can't find common ground anymore? Or do you feel like you're losing friendships because you are speaking your truth more and you're holding boundaries more? Ooh. Um, the latter it's okay. because I am speaking my truth more and holding boundaries. And what you said about your client, how she was like, I'm just so giving, I'm so giving, I'm so giving, I don't even know how to receive. And I'm, you know, right. I very much so related to that. I was very, I am a people pleaser trauma response for sure. Yeah. But I didn't even know everything that I would post or everything that I believed. Yes, I believed it, but I wasn't doing it. I did not put any work into myself. I had no confidence. I had no self-worth. And then I did mushrooms. And that was literally my experience was it was all about me. And, um, (sighs) well, you see yourself as a bigger part of humanity and you see yourself as a, a, a part of a beautiful picture. I, I think that before mushrooms, there's this individualistic perception of oneself that this is me and my experience. Um, and that's ego. Yeah. It's ego. It's very egocentric. And then when you do mushrooms, you realize like, Oh, this is so much bigger than me. I'm a part of a much bigger story. Right. And I'm not going to put up with this treatment anymore because I know I'm part of a bigger story now. And it's like that actually doesn't do anything for me anymore. Right. Like letting people walk all over me and me giving and giving and giving and giving and giving with no reciprocation is not working for me. Anymore. Well, and I thought my purpose was to serve others. Right. And I still think that it is in a way, but I wasn't ever serving myself. Yeah. I wasn't ever filling my cup. And so right now I am not showing up for people in the way that they're expecting me to. Yeah. And 
that's been a struggle. And I know I'm doing the right thing and I'm going to continue to do that, but it's having those friendships or, you know, family dynamics where I'm just having a lot of realizations that, um, they were a part of a chapter. Yeah. And I love them. Yeah. And I love them very, very dearly, but, um, it's going to have to be from a distance because I'm not going to show up in a way that they expect me to anymore. And they can learn to grow with you. I mean, I, I don't like saying like it's a chapter because then the chapter ends. Maybe it's a season. Yeah. Like the relationships are seasons, right? right? So it's like, okay, this relationship served me while it did and it taught me a lesson. I've learned my lesson. I'm learning to put down boundaries and to show up when it, when it works for me to show up. Now, like, you know, like you just kind of change the way you interact with them. They're going to be a little pissed off. Oh, yeah. But after a while, like if people truly love you and want to be in your life, they are going to shift with you. Yeah. So they can come back. You can revisit seasons. I've had a few people try to come back and we've, we've explored it and then decided that, no, this isn't time yet for you to be back in my life. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and another thing too, is when, you know, with mushrooms, when you are like healing yourself and you are just showing up very authentically, Mm -hmm. a lot of us, don't live authentically. People we get try to, triggered. yeah, we try to fit into a box. And so when someone triggered. is showing up authentically and unapologetic, unapologetically themselves, it can be very triggering for some people. And that's, I think that's another realization on that I've had, I've had too, that it's projection. Yeah. It's not anything that I'm doing. Now it's, imagine people are getting triggered by you on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's been that too. Yeah, it's been happening. Well, and I can only imagine for you. Yeah. Oh, I mean, cause that's a very controversial. Oh yeah. My, my guess I found out recently, I had an idea that this was happening, but then it was confirmed that a bunch of our guests have been super triggered by me because I am just like me. <laughs> Oh, a bunch of your guests that you've had on? A few of them, yeah. They've expressed like being uncomfortable with how direct I can be. Yeah. Um, I I just think that's so interesting that people, it makes people uncomfortable. So uncomfortable that you just are just transparent in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What a simple concept, but. Mm -hmm. Or bringing up topics that they're not comfortable with and me being comfortable with bringing up topics that people aren't comfortable with. I think there's like a lot of tiptoeing and like trying to like, you know, walk around eggshells and make everyone super cozy and comfy. I'm sorry. That's not trauma work. (laughs) Shadow work. It's not comfortable, guys. It's uncomfortable (laughs) and it's going to be uncomfortable. So what we've done is like, this has been brought to my attention and I was like, okay, we need to mediate this. So we are creating a intake form for guests. Every guest will fill this intake form out um, because we want to still be able to bring on people who are in their process of deconstruction. We don't want the podcast just to be um, professionals, right? Yeah. We want people like our listeners to show up on the podcast too and have like good conversations. So we are creating an intake form that has a liability portion of it, like a consent portion that talks about the kind of content they should be expecting to talk about. And then that they also have the opportunity on the intake form to state anything they do not want to talk about on the podcast because it is uncomfortable for them or triggering for them. Like, please list anything, any topic that's uncomfortable for you. We will not bring it up. And then there's a disclosure that says, while we try to make sure everyone's comfortable with the subject matter, 
this is triggering subject matter. And by signing this and coming onto the podcast, you are consenting to being challenged, to challenging, and Mm -hmm. to processing triggering and sensitive content. Um, But also know that if at any time we're pushing the conversation into a direction that's not feeling safe for you, you can stop. And we can pause the recording and we can reassess and we can decide whether or not we're going to keep the content or remove the content. And then we're going to move forward with the conversation. So it's, that's that trauma informed, um, approach is being upfront right away and telling them, this is what you can expect, but this is also, this is your responsibility. You cannot put this all on me. No. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it kind of, it's going to help, um, filter out people who may not be ready for that deeper work because like my whole thing is like, I want to take it to that deeper place, right? Like I'm not doing what I'm meant to do if I'm not taking it to a deeper place, but that deeper place is deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm realizing that a lot of our guests aren't deep in shadow work like I am. I'm like the queen of shadow work. But it's interesting too how you've put that trauma work and trauma informing into both your podcast and your body work that you're doing. Well, the body work influenced it. So love that. Yeah, it definitely influenced it because it made me very aware that trauma is very present in every interaction you have and it can come forward and in a very negative way. And so there is this fine balance of tiptoeing, but like also just being aware and being honest and being straightforward and making sure that everyone knows they have permission to say when enough is enough Mm -hmm. and that everyone knows that they are all consenting to what is happening at all times. I love that. Yeah. It's super important. We like, if my guests don't feel comfortable and safe on the podcast, they're not going to feel comfortable to open up about these deeper issues and these right. deeper stories. Right. I need to come see you. Yeah, I know. We I'm should like, make an appointment. I'm, I'm super new in this journey. So I'm like, <laughs> well, I still have a lot of yeah, work Yeah, but what sucks is like, I'm really good friends with Misha. And now I feel like I can't see you. <laughs> I know, do I? Yeah. Are we too uh, good of friends now? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think it. it, it comes- Did we just become besties? Yeah. Are we, yeah. Are we BFFs? BFFs. Like I'm like totally down to like hang out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a lot of friends here. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. This is gonna be my. Uh, you were talking about like a cool drug room, your New Year's Eve room. That's kind of what this is turning yeah, into. Yeah. I would say for like body work. Yeah. If you guys wanted to come in for body work, um, I want to record it. You could if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, but there would definitely be a different dynamic. And I would invite you into a different dynamic. I'd be like, Hey, this is cause like Misha and I exchange body work and I exchange body work with all my coworkers. And like, we're able to guide each other into those experiences, even though we have deep personal relationships. So it's like, there just has to be like this mutual respect of the ceremony that is happening. Mm-hmm. It is a ceremony. We are performing a ceremony. So we're going to have reverence for the ceremony. We're going to be quiet. We're going to be listening. We're going to be um, queuing in. We're going to be um, intentional. We are going to be um, open to whatever experience wants to present itself. In God, everything sounds like mushrooms. It, yeah. Everything is <laughs> everything mushrooms. Goes, everything goes back <laughs> to psychedelics. My psyllium's and everything. <laughs> We're all connected. Hive mind. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. So will you, um, I hate to break it 
short. I'm not trying to break it short because we could do this do all like night. like a two-part episode. <laughs> right. So, no, we can have you back on for sure. We want to have you back on. Um, I want you to let our listeners know where they can find you through your podcast yeah. and also through Embody. Yeah. Okay. So um, if you are wanting to listen to a podcast about deconstructing Christianity, religion, evangelicalism, um, you can find me at Cheers to Leaving on Instagram, choose to leaving support group on Facebook. Please answer the questions to be admitted. I won't admit you unless you answer the questions. It's just three little questions. Um, you can find our podcast on Apple podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, cheers to leaving is the podcast. I come on as a co-host around episode 19, I think. Um, it's about to get culty is the first episode I did as a Ooh, co-host. Okay. I haven't listened to your about, first episode It's about yet. Jesus camp. Oh, but it's not the Jesus camp episode. There's a Jesus camp episode where she talks about the movie Jesus camp. Um, mine is a couple episodes forward, like episode 19. I think it's about to get culty and it's about spiritual emphasis camp, Pueblo, Mexico. Ooh. And, uh, we talk about that. So that was the first episode I jumped on. Um, if you guys want to listen to episodes about psychedelics, uh, yes. we brought on a really amazing guest, Andrew Jasko, who helps people integrate psychedelics into their healing journeys and integrate their psychedelic experiences. And he helps people deconstruct their I religious trauma. I just listened trauma. to that episode. Yeah, <laughs> that is the, there's two episodes. I was going to say, him. wasn't he on a couple? He was on two. And okay. those are the two to listen to. I would say those are the episodes yeah. I'm most proud of. And yeah speaks to the direction that the podcast is shifting into. Okay. Yeah. So that's how you find me there. Um, how else can you find me? Um, I have a private Instagram account. I don't always add people back, but you can try. (laughs) (laughs) I don't add people back. Yeah. It's molly.crino. Um, have fun trying to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. Very privately. Yeah. I post a lot of like stuff I write. Um, and then Embody, so you can find Embody um, on Instagram, Embody. So that's M as in Molly, O-D-I. Oh, I spelled it wrong. M as in Molly, B-O-D-I, um, dot life on Instagram. Um, EmbodyLouisville.com to book an appointment. We are located in Louisville in St. Matthews, and we are a self-care studio. I love everything that you're doing. Thank you. So you're on the right path. You're on the right path. You figured it out in this life. I and I, I love, I love meeting people like you because it's like, even though I may be losing certain relationships or they're on pause or, you know, whatever they are, like I'm also gaining some, like I'm meeting amazing people. I wanted to tell you that earlier today. Yeah. You guys are like definitely not alone in that. Like I've, I mean, I wrote a super fucking depressing Facebook status the other day about, I am losing hope in people. Everyone just sucks. People aren't coming through the way I come through for them. Like I was in that like three days ago. And like, I definitely like, that is something very big in my life that I felt for a long time. But you know what? This is just opening doors for new people to come in for sure. Yes. And I'm learning. Like I am yeah. I'm very new in this game and I feel like every episode I'm learning more and more mm-hmm. and more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's do our next episode of the past life regression. Yeah. Oh, so gonna you're going to so help cool. us get on that. Oh my okay. God. Um, so <laughs> hope you guys find Molly through the gram. Um, good luck. <laughs> and we will talk to you guys next time and see you on, on the, the other, other side. side. Bye.